Hi, welcome to the Origins podcast. I am Iona McLeod and today I am going to be talking about addiction and controlling the working classes. Um, so first of all, I wanted to talk a little bit about what I know about addiction and how it works, um, just to give a bit of background. So the way addiction works is it basically focuses on your adrenal glands. Your Most people are actually addicted to their own adrenaline. Um, they're addicted to adrenaline surges, adrenaline highs. Um, most people have an addiction of some kind, um, be that to coffee, which is highly, highly adrenalising, be that to alcohol, be that to cigarettes. In this modern world, most people have some kind of vice, some kind of addiction just to keep them going because most people are actually chronically ill, have a chronic illness of some kind, either a mental condition, physical condition. And most people have some kind of fatigue, um, maybe insomnia. And, you know, if you have fatigue, maybe you're like, oh, I just need a coffee just to wake me up. Oh, I need... Um, you know, I need um, something to just wake me up, you know, a cigarette or a coffee or whatever. And then if someone's maybe got insomnia, they're like, oh, it's just a wee drink, you know, just a wee doobie or, you know, um, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, a, a prescription medication, a pharmaceutical, whatever that um, drug dependency is, whatever that stimulant dependency is. Um, you know, some people are even addicted to other things such as porn um, some people are addicted to sex, some people are addicted to, um, you know, adrenaline-inducing activities, you know, um, and it, it's so subtle, you know, but most people will have an adrenaline addiction in this world, most people in this world, um, at least in this part of the world anyway, um, you know, Scotland's pretty, pretty terrible um, for addiction, um, but most of the the Western world and um, and other parts of the world uh, are infiltrated with addiction. Now, in this podcast, I wanted to address the roots of addiction, what is behind it, and basically the connection between addiction and capitalism, and how this system uses addiction to keep the working class people down and to maintain the status quo. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to be like saying what I know um, on the subject and giving some examples and then I'm going to round it off with um, ways to break up, uh, break up with addiction and break away from it and rise from the ashes and free yourself, and also why to free yourself. So, first of all, I'm going to give an example um, of coffee. And coffee, um, during the Industrial Revolution, um, women were made to work in horrific conditions. Um, so were men, but this, um, in this instance I'm talking about women. They were made to work in factories, horrific conditions long hours, sometimes 12 hour shifts, 10 hour shifts, um, you know, the companies, most people know at the time of the industrial revolution did not put the health of the ordinary people first, um, obviously they, you know, 
before the Industrial Revolution, people would have been really working for themselves. They would have been living in farms or whatever, you know, working on the land or whatever, or just doing whatever they do and working more in their own means, in their own capacity. So they would, you know, they would take good care of themselves. But when people were cleared from the country and moved into these cities, uh, that brought, one, a lot of stress, um, a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, PTSD, um, but also um, the conditions of work were so poor that people felt fell ill. They fell ill and through, it took a while, you know, obviously, but like the continual toxic exposure um, ended up um, eventually compromising the health of these people and you know there's nothing much you can do if that's you know if that's your job and that's your only job and you have to just stay there and work there for your whole life and just to make money for your children etc but um the people who were in charge of these factories started to notice um the ruling elite started to notice oh, they're not working as well when they're falling ill this is uh, this is around the 50s by the way um, they start to notice, oh, well, they're, they're not, you know, they're getting these symptoms and conditions, obviously, you know, toxic exposure was the reason, and being overworked and overstressed and all that kind of thing, and the adrenal glands being weakened, so I thought, you know what, we're going to introduce coffee uh, as a commonly marketed thing, they, we're going to market coffee to these people, and we're going to say, this is great, this will get you going, and that's the thing, is coffee is a crutch, it gets you up, and it gets you going, and it gets you started, um, you know, when you're feeling really fatigued and you need something to just get you going. But the thing about coffee is um, it messes up your body's natural adrenaline cycle. So while the adrenaline balance of your body is so, it's it's so intricate, it's, it's, it's part of nature, you know, because adrenaline is, it's we have like 56 different blends of adrenaline and adrenaline is basically essential to our survival it's essential to our existence but when you drink coffee what you do is you max out your adrenals and you flood your whole entire system it, it shocks the whole body with adrenaline and then that's why you get a crash after because your adrenals are maxed out they're whacked out and so in the long run coffee what it does it's, it's like being in an abusive relationship it tells you oh i'll make you feel better i'll make you feel better and then it does for a bit but then it makes it leave you feeling a whole lot worse so that is what happened they decided that these women were you know they were not worth you know being taken care of you know they they just wanted them to work as much as they possibly could they weren't thinking oh well we're gonna you know it's not working for them they're getting on well we're gonna reduce their hours or we're gonna we're gonna make them you know uh, we're gonna make them you know have better working conditions or we're not going to force them to work in these factories no what they did was they were like right we'll give them advice and we'll market it to them and we'll tell them that is going to be your saving grace and you'll be fine so that's why so many women today are addicted to coffee and men and um, people are relying on it why should we have to be relying on an outer external substance just to get us going in the morning think about it it's kind of messed up and a similar thing actually happened with cigarettes Cigarettes, um, basically they started selling um, them, first of all to men, they started marketing them to men workies, as an, you know, it's like the coffee thing, 
this will help keep you going. You know, this is good for you. This is this will give you strength. Basically, it was to make money, and it was as a stimulant, and it was basically to mask their illness symptoms so they could keep going. If they smoke on their breaks, they'll they'll keep going. They won't notice that they've got these symptoms. So while the smoking is actually making you worse in the long run, in the short run, you do get a little buzz. It makes you feel better. It masks your symptoms. So these things, both of these vices, are actually pretty dark. Um, they're pretty dark, and and the way that they were used, um, uh, you know, in an an agenda to keep people from rebelling, to keep people from saying no, I'm not going to work for you anymore, to keep people able to work in these horrible traumatic conditions. Um. So yeah, and um, I personally know that alcohol has been used. A lot um, for a long time in this country anyway in Scotland but um, alcohol is another one you know it, it's not it's it's not beneficial in any way and the way that people would have drunk it before it wouldn't have been anywhere near like today but in the industrial revolution when the men mostly men because way back in the day women didn't tend to drink um, it was usually the men but they would finish a long shift they would be dealing with all these symptoms and a lot of the men would just go straight to the pub and spend half their money on drink because they were so stressed. Not all of them, some of them would though. Um, it was just a way of dealing with stress and to this day we still have this. The five day working week where people are maxed out, super stressed, um, you know, they can't cope with their own emotions, they don't want to face their life. Any moment that they have to themselves to introspect, to think, is actually spent drinking and subduing the emotions and um, just going wild and letting loose. So this is another instrument, in my opinion, another instrument uh, of oppression and an instrument of control because any time that the people have off that they would have maybe used to get together, logically think, organise, have meetups, civil meetups, you know, not without drink, whatever, discuss, discussion groups, all that. Uh, Any time that people would have is now spent drinking or hungover. And when you're drinking, you find this kind of really nice, kind of happy thing kind of comes over you and you're like, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, you're awesome. You're cool. Yeah, we love each other and everyone's cool. And it goes from two extremes. It goes from hating your life and struggling with work and then getting drunk and being like, yeah, everything's awesome. And then like, but there's no time for actually facing and and being able to have like discussions, like logical discussions about, you know, thing the way the state of matters and how things are, and you know, there's, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that never happens. I'm just saying that, you know, it's less likely to happen. Um, when people are getting drunk and then you know the next day they're hungover. Like so, for example, if you you know you work a week Friday, you go out, you get drunk, the next day you're you're literally mentally impaired. You're not going to be thinking, you're not going to be thinking your best, you're not going to be like thinking future based, you're going to be thinking, how can I get through this day? Because let me tell you, I've not had a drink in three years, Um, been off coffee longer than that, but I've not had a drink in three years and whoa, the clarity of mind that comes with that is honestly, it's another level. Um, But yeah, I think it's almost like a way to bypass emotions, a way to... Uh, to just kind of almost get a quick rush and a quick surge of adrenaline, a quick bit of joy 
but not actually addressing the root cause of sorrow, the root cause of what actually makes makes you want to drink. And so yeah, personally, I'm not for it. I'm not for this whole everything in moderation thing. I personally believe that um, no, we have to be militant because there is people who are very high up who actually work. Their job is to figure out ways to control and manipulate people. There are psychologists, there are think tank groups, there are um, organisations who are literally paid, their full-time jobs are to study people, to study human behaviour, working people, ordinary people, and figure out how they can manipulate and control them for mass power, mass benefit, maximum um, money, maximum output, so basically, like, uh, you know, just extracting as much as they possibly can from ordinary people. So my, um, in my experience in cutting absolutely everything out has been that I feel like I'm taking as much of my own power back, my own peace back, uh, my mental capacity back. And I think it is just so, so important for everyone to be able to do that in their own way. Now, I understand not everyone is going to want to become teetotal like me, um, you know, and I understand that might not happen, but I think it's super important to be aware of how these instruments can be used against us and can actually hold us back from achieving what we need to achieve and what we want to achieve long term. And it's so important to understand how they can be used um, to actually keep people down, to keep people back. And also the fact that the ruling classes have always lied to people. Like, people have all, have always been lied to for a long, long time. So back in the day, there was, like, adverts literally saying, eh, smoking is good for your baby. There was pictures of a pregnant woman smoking. So just be ultra, ultra aware. Just because it's legal, just because it's being marketed to us, does not mean it's helpful, does not mean it is going to liberate you or going to help you to to free your mind um, or whatever. Freedom, in my eyes, is not actually the freedom to do whatever we want, but it is the it is having discipline, um, responsibility, taking responsibility and having autonomy. Because when you have that autonomy, because you've taken the steps... Um, to take certain things out of your life that are not serving you, that are actually holding you back and creating a negative ripple effect, then that's what true freedom is. Freedom is not just being able to do absolutely whatever you want, whenever you want, because that's when you end up being controlled by addictions. And when you're anyone who knows, anyone who has an addiction will tell you there's no freedom about it. You are literally a slave, a slave to the compulsion and you end up losing trust in your own self and that is a hard place to be because when you lose trust in your own self you literally don't know what to do because it's like whoa I really just did that but I didn't want to do that but I feel like I'm a slave to this compulsion so like addiction is not a freeing thing it's not and all this oh moderation thing you know all that but like some people can do that and get away with it. Some people I know are really healthy and they're, you know, they're fine and whatever. But majority of people, 
it just doesn't work. I, I, to be honest, I personally think it's better to just get away from it because at some point you're going to get sick, you know, at some point down the line. So I personally prefer the whole teetotal thing, no drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes, um, no coffee, nothing. I prefer teetotal. Um, but like there are some people who are less sick that still, you know, do bits and bobs of everything. But like, especially if you're someone who has trauma, who has a history of family addiction, you're going to have more metals in your family line you're going to have more toxicity exposure to toxins so this is actually a, a in my eyes it's a class issue too because working class people have been exposed to honestly this makes me want to cry but working class people have been exposed to the most horrific conditions some of the best most beautiful hard-working souls have been forced to work in horrible adverse conditions for hundreds of years and you know it really it's just not right it's it's not okay and and it's so sad that people end up then blaming themselves for getting unwell and thinking oh I've got cancer because it's in it's in my family it's in my genetics and we've just got poor genetics and we're just not up to much and you know whatever it's like no you know before we were moved into these big industrial cities these crammed situations we were people of the land we had pride and we had we were regal and we were healthy or you know i know that obviously we weren't free of problems because there would have been other issues etc but like we were, wouldn't have been exposed to like this level of toxins you know and so in, in many ways and um, people have been broken down you know from the inside one lacking confidence and um, because they don't trust themselves due to addiction um, two lacking health lacking power lacking freedom lacking autonomy and one thing that I would also like to add to that is Glasgow back in um, the last century the previous century there was a lot more especially the start of the previous century there was a lot more uh, uprising working class organization and liberation and uprising and the working class were way organized way organized you know there was some sharp you know, sharp needles or whatever you, whatever the phrase is. There were some sharp people, there were some sharp guys and women who were ready to challenge and oppose the systems that were, they were being held by the, the work, the work that they were being forced to do. And there was a lot of that in Glasgow. People were super, super organised. And I personally think that on purpose, the government has gone, oh, these people look like they're out of control. Or the government and companies, big businesses, and whatever the powers that be may, may be, have gone, oh, these people are really organised. They have a lot of power. Let's try and break them down from inside. Um, they have like a disregard. Um, so, one, people are being poisoned. They've lost their kind of faith. They've lost their will. They've lost their their kind of hope, you know, to, to, to do something different. Like, you know, like people have largely given up because they've been kept down for so long but I think that's why healing and getting these generational toxins out of your body actually with that comes a new lease of life with that comes hope with that become with that we become more empowered and we have energy to actually do things and it heals our soul so we're able to focus more on things that matter to us and it actually rejuvenates our spirit as well when we heal using um, fruits and vegetables from plant from from the planet from the earth that just like you know are intended for us and not eating all this poisonous claptrap that 
is being given to us. Um, and an interesting thing I would like to point out is that during the referendum, there was an, an immense feeling of hope in the air in Glasgow, and that's not one I felt ever in my lifetime. It was a feeling of, yeah, things could be different, and it was a kind of, anything could happen, you know? And I want people to be able to feel that feeling, not just when we're waiting for the British government, which is supposed to, you know, is supposed to give it to us. No. Because I want us to feel that just because we feel, like, empowered in ourselves, within ourselves, to create changes within our own community at a grassroots level. Because if we wait till them for them to give it to us, it's just a, a carrot on a string. They're going to keep on dangling that carrot. Oh, another referendum, four years, another referendum, four years. And then, for all we know, they could be rigging it, you know. For all we know, they could be rigging it. So, a lot of this, I think, is by design, you know. The the feeling, the energy around the referendum um, in Glasgow anyway, because I can only speak for being in Glasgow, I wasn't in the rest of Scotland, but it was a beautiful energy. It was the feeling of hope. It was a feeling of, yeah, something might change. And that feeling of hope, that feeling of um, po- possibility and potential um, has in many ways been taken away and ripped from people. But the thing is, is that it can never be gone because the people um, are the ones who hold the true power, the collective power, and we can change things. And I think it's step by step. I think it's taking taking control of our own lives on a personal level and thinking, how can I remove myself from this system that seeks to destroy me in the best way, you know, because obviously you can't do it completely, but to, to the highest capacity I can. And my, uh, the way I see it is by letting go of the addictions that we have um, to these vices that are sold to us and marketed to us uh, on purpose to keep us down, to keep us suppressed. By letting go one by one of these addictions, we can then rise up um, and be, you know, be free and be victorious. And, and that will allow us to kind of come together a bit more as well. You know, when you're, when you're sick, you don't, you don't have energy for anything, you know, and when you're constantly working, you're constantly forced to work and you're constantly looking for the next thing, you're constantly on Instagram looking, because that's another addiction, constantly looking at everyone and going, oh, wow, I wish I could look like that, or wow, I wish I could do that, or, you know, all this, you know, wanting, 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 you know, and distracted by things that aren't real, you know, the, the, the square screen that we look down, eh, down at all the time, the one that you're probably using right now, the rectangle screen, rather, that is a, that can be used at best as a tool, you know, for finding information and for connecting to other people. But like, I think it can also at worst be used as something that is uh, disempowering, um, because addiction um, to technology is another real thing that is could potentially be uh, keeping us apart. But I think it it's a double edged sword. It can be used either way, um, because it's it's a very beautiful thing that can also bring us together and help to speed things up so um it's just about being aware and how we're using it and how we are um expo- what we're exposing ourselves to because a lot of it is very very mind numbing um so just unfollowing pages that are really um not good not healthy um and just like you know thinking what is important what is important and uh, if i simplify everything in my life if i simplify <coughs> my routine what is most important you know it's not always about um getting overly complicated it's sometimes just about um, removing things that um, are not necessary anymore and 
and actually, um, you know, that creates space for good things that are to come. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, stress and PTSD as well because that is also a major factor in addiction and what I don't like is when I see someone who is hasn't who has had a fairly easy life and it's not rare that you meet someone that's had an easy life but they do exist and um, kind of there's a lot of influencers in on the line, online and, and things like that and gurus and stuff that are like you just need to master your mind you just need to heal yourself and there's a lot of victim blaming you know oh you're responsible for your addiction you are the one that caused it and you know there's a lot of that but the people you'll notice the people that are saying that are usually the people that have never actually really struggled um, and they kind of put the onus on people and this is again this is part of the system this is why a lot of the woke movements are actually kind of corrupt because there are people who are like spiritual navel gazers and they're actually charlatans. They're not, do you know what I mean? It's like the emperor's not got no clothes. They're proposing to be this super spiritual person. But really, the only reason why they're in India is because they've got loads of money and the only reason why they look like that and they've got all that and they've got all this and they've got this podcast and they've got this and they've got all these platforms, a lot of them, it's just because they were kind of born with privilege, they were born not sick, they were born with, with lots of money and they'll try and like sell stuff to people and say, oh, empower yourself, do do do, you know, if you were like me then, you know, do 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 do, and sometimes it's not that, it's the survival of the, the people that are not, um, not ill you know it's the survival of you know a lot of the time the people that are not ill they'll they'll have the loudest voice and they'll be like oh this is just how they do it but it's like sometimes the underdogs have a lot of wisdom sometimes someone that you meet that has gone through addiction that's been through it that's been in the trenches will have wisdom about healing and they might be overlooked and they might be someone might look down on them but i personally feel like it's not something to look down on if someone's had an addiction it's actually a strength because if you can if you can have compassion and understanding for where that's come from and you can learn and through that understanding, through that compassion, you can heal and it is possible and it's um, it's very, very possible to heal and to rise from the ashes of addiction. <clears throat> it's very, very possible and if you can do that, then that makes you extra powerful because you've overcome, you've travelled far, you've overcome something that, you know, you never thought you would and you know, so it makes you powerful and it makes you, uh, you end up gaining wisdom. So whenever something like that, you know, holds you back, you end up better in the long run, actually, I, I find anyway. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, don't beat yourself up. Know that uh, this is all by design. It's part of the plan to keep the working class people suppressed. It's part of the plan to keep ordinary people down. And the best way that we can stand a chance in getting out of this system, in my opinion, is one, taking the power into our own hands, healing our bodies, um, healing ourselves of tech addiction and getting out of the, the habits of just being totally addicted to our screens <coughs> all day long. Um, getting ourselves out of that habit, you know, maybe having four hours off your phone or, you know, like having maybe like this, this one, 
it's a hard one because obviously you know we need it for work and things like that but you know just everyone knows themselves you know what their limits are and but um getting rid of coffee getting rid of cigarettes getting rid of alcohol I think one by one like stripping back the addictions and the uses of different uh, drugs um one by one and whatever it is you know that, that needs to be released you'll know what it is um, in your own life but I think that's just the most powerful way that we can regain our own autonomy in this day and age and I think I like to think it's not just about what we can do now because I see a lot of people reacting from panic oh no the world is like it is and then they do a crazy action like oh let's go and do a crazy action and in, in like you know demonstration or whatever there's nothing wrong with that or let's go and do this thing and or let's make a big scene or you know or let's get really angry and upset online I think personally this there's nothing wrong with that everything has its place but I personally think it's about the long run it's about you know we're going to be around you know most you know hopefully most of us will be around for you know another however many decades this is about the long run this is about preparing ourselves for the coming times and it's not just about quick fixes, it's not just about um, a flash in the pan kind of activism kind of style, it's about slow burning um, things that are going to continue to sustain and um, feed us for generations to come. So it's about changes, stable changes, bit by bit, that you can make in your own life, you know, not, you know, not doing everything all at once or too fast, but just bit by bit, you know, doing doing what feels right to you and just taking taking off the layer, layer by layer by layer and, and it's about sustainable, it's about making it sustainable, making it long term, making it for the long haul and preparing ourselves for the times to come because I can tell you people, it's going to be some interesting times, you're in for a ride, it's not going to be boring. So I think healing yourself, grounding yourself, preparing yourself, educating ourselves as much as we can and then when the time's right coming together and basically building a better world and you know building better communities healthier communities for ourselves and using these slow burning strategies that are going to continue to sustain us and the generations to come um you know for centuries so yeah um i hope that was some food for thought for you and thank you so much for listening to the end and thanks for tuning in and um, I'll see you in the next podcast. Take care.